Hello everybody and welcome back to a guy and a girl talk sports where we are a guy and a girl who just love to talk all things sports. You can expect a new episode from us every Monday and Thursday at 6am on all podcast platforms. Every episode will cover off on some big sports highlights, some topics in the sports world, and then obviously we'll be making predictions for upcoming games as well. So make sure you're subscribed, tune in every Monday and Thursday, and also leave us a review if you're feeling it. Yeah, but if you want a daily fix of a guy and a girl talk sports, go hit up our social media channels. We have an Instagram page. We have a Facebook page. It's GG Talk Sports. Go check them out. We post daily. But yeah, let's get into today's episode because we have some fantastic sports to cover. All right, so let's just get into the first thing. Notorious UFC 246. Cowboy Cerrone hit a brick wall. My God, McGregor. Yeah. What, what were your first thoughts, initial reaction? So basically, there was so much hype, so much buildup to this moment, to this fight, and then the entire fight was over in 40 seconds. So <laughs> I think that Conor McGregor just showed his ability to be in those big moments. He showed that he has all the skills he's always had, and I just think that he showed he's probably the superior athlete in general. Um, so I think that he just... I think Mr. Cowboy was a little in over his head. Yeah, I mean, I've never seen somebody knock somebody out. It was a TKO, I guess, to be technical. But I've never seen somebody do a blow to the head with a shoulder the way that McGregor... I mean, the way he said that, I changed my levels and then I popped him. I mean, yeah. he, that that's he's practiced that thousands and thousands of times. And you just don't see many... I mean, you just don't see many fighters throw that into their repertoire of, yeah. of moves. A lot of I mean, the my God. commentators are UFC fighters themselves, and they said, yeah, you get hit in the shoulder sometimes, but it's just like an annoyance. Like, can you stop hitting <laughs> yeah. me with your shoulder? But in this case, it basically started the very quick downfall yeah. of Cowboy, and it's what made him start bleeding through his nose, and then he finally got away. And then I think he was already so caught off guard and thrown off because how can you expect that to be what takes you down? I know, it was and wild. And so then it was all downhill from there. But I just, I want to say this about Cowboy. Shout out to him, man. What a freaking crazy fighter. What a just fantastic career he's had. And also, just mad respect to him because yeah, for sure. as much as people are going to say, he could have moved away from him, dude. He got rocked with a shoulder three times, four times to the yeah. head. He backed away. He did back away. Yeah. Threw his hands up. Connor faked left and then kicked him in the freaking head. I know. Like, so. I mean, I I would have been KO'd by one shoulder. So, I mean, as much as maybe he didn't show up fully, I think that McGregor was just the ultimate. He was just the best out there. He, I think, honestly, after this fight, I might say he, he might be the, he might be back as the, premier fighter in UFC right now. Yeah, I think he's definitely... It'll just be interesting to see who the next matchup is. I which, mean, he sat Jorge Masvidal down yeah, after he, he KO'd. He looked a little bit nervous, for sure. <laughs> um, but we'll see. It was just interesting and fun to see him back in the octagon, and obviously he didn't disappoint. We all felt a little bit nervous. Like, we hadn't seen him fight in so long that we weren't sure if he was going to be what we all come to expect from him, but he definitely didn't disappoint. Plus some. But I just want to... I have two things that I want to say about McGregor, and then we're going to jump into Macy Barber real quick, because... She was, I mean, my God. But all right, so one thing that McGregor said in his post-fight interview was, you put in the work, you reap the rewards. You can clearly tell that because if you look at the Khabib, or Khabib fight, he really kind of, he was drinking, he, he wasn't really himself, he was doing other things, he didn't put in the commitment, the work, the effort, and he lost. Mm-hmm. This fight, he's been sober, he's been working his ass off, and he KO'd him in 40 seconds and walked home with a nice fat check. Yeah. So 
I just think that goes to show he's back. He, he's in his mindset. He's good to go. But also, shout out to him because he set a crazy record. You can't take this out of, out of anything or you can't, you know. Take it away from him. can't take this away from him. He has now KO'd slash TKO'd at the featherweight, the lightweight, and the welterweight division, which is crazy. Yeah, it's crazy to be able to be successful in three different weight classes. But if anybody can do it, it's definitely him. So exactly, <laughs> not surprised. And then just one quick shout out, Macy Barber. She's a freaking warrior. She fought all three rounds. And I think she tore her ACL in maybe halfway through the second round. At the very beginning of the second round. Very beginning round. of the second round. So my God, shout out to her. She's a warrior. She's a tank. She's going to come back better than ever. Hopefully, technically, she still could maybe come back and set the record for being the youngest UFC champion. We'll see. Fingers crossed. And then also just one more quick shout out. Anquan Bolden and Malcolm Jenkins co-founded this really, really badass. It's called the Players Coalition. And what it does is it works with police and outside community to just build a good relationship and build a good foundation. Fantastic. I mean, it's really awesome. I think that's the best example of somebody using their, like, fame, I would say, or just their success through sports to do something better for the world in general. It's really awesome to see the work that they've done. There was also a commercial, if you guys were watching the conference championship games, they did have, like, a little snippet of what he's been able to do and. I think the relationships he's helped build between the police and then the communities in which sometimes they've been known to have kind of sketchy relationships, I think that he's been able to do some awesome work in those communities to just make sure that there's better relationships between the two parties, and that can make such a huge difference in people's lives and just having a life in general because you can see it going other ways. No, I agree, and also as much as I don't want to say you need to say it, he, yeah. He's he's breaking down those those racial barriers, if you will, which yeah, is exactly. badass. It's phenomenal. So shout out to him what he's been able to do, and Malcolm Jenkins, and and all the above. So let's get into our first topic, which is Championship Sunday recap. My yeah. God, <laughs> woo! What what a day for some football. I know. So there were two good games, I would say. So the first one obviously was the Chiefs and the Titans, which I think this was the one that people were most concerned about um, and the least predictable. Of the two games, I would say, and that's because the Titans had been on a crazy streak that people could never have predicted, but the Chiefs got it done, they were successful, and I'm not super surprised that they were, but I am surprised how well they were able to shut down Derrick Henry. Yeah, Derrick Henry had 69 yards, he did have a touchdown, but I mean, on 19 carries for 69 yards, averaging like three and a half yards a carry... They shut him down. Yeah, and also I think because they shut him down, Ryan Tannehill was forced to throw the ball a lot more, and I just think that he probably wasn't in a rhythm of... He hasn't thrown for over 100 yards like we had talked before in the last two games, so I think he wasn't in a rhythm of having to throw the ball, especially on some of the plays where they were trying to go for deeper yardage. I think he just wasn't necessarily in sync and couldn't get it done. They definitely scored. They kept it somewhat close. But in the end, they just couldn't do enough, which is what we predicted. Yeah, no, I think that the Titans did what the Titans do, which is they score about 20 to 30 points, they run the ball, they have complimentary passing. Tannehill was 21 to 31 for 209 yards and two touchdowns. So, I mean, on paper, it looked like he had a good game. But we were watching the game. He didn't miss some throws. So And when they needed him towards the end of the game to really get some yeah. momentum and score, to get him back within range, it just it wasn't working. Yeah, well, no offense to Tannehill, but I think he was the fourth best quarterback in the championship Sunday. Yeah. And there were that. four quarterbacks. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but no, shout out to the Chiefs. The game was 35-24, Chiefs Nation. 
Can we just talk about Patrick Mahomes for two seconds? I mean, that was probably one of the greatest QB scrambles I've seen in a long time. I will say, I think the two best quarterback plays I've seen this year were that one and the Deshaun Watson one. Yeah. Um, And this one was crazy. I believe it was for 27 yards, and he was... It's kind of cruel. Like, if you actually watch him, he was obviously surveying every single player. He knew exactly how to react to every single player that was approaching him while still looking downfield for options and then also keeping him open as an option. And it was really cool to just see him analyze the entire field and then, like, he had to carry three defenders to actually score the touchdown, which was awesome, too. Yeah, I mean, I I think he's the best quarterback maybe in our generation ever to come. Yeah. I, think I personally think that Patrick Mahomes... I would say in the last five years, yeah, for sure. Yep, of course. So I just respect him so much because, one, he's a team-first guy, Yeah. but he also has to do it all himself. No offense to his teammates. Don't take that any other way than, at the end of the day, Patrick Mahomes is the facilitator. He has to get you the ball. He has to get open to get you the ball. Right. So I think that what Patrick Mahomes has been able to do, he also has arguably maybe the best skill player's in the NFL on his side. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but still, he also has to, one, get them the ball. So I think he was 23 of 35, 294 yards and three touchdowns. Right. A solid game. Yeah. Fantastic definitely. game. He also hasn't thrown a pick yet in the postseason this year. He so also had a rushing touchdown. He also had a rushing Dang. touchdown. He was actually the leading rusher for 53 yards on eight attempts. Dang. <laughs> Not too shabby. Not too bad. So once again, Patrick Mahomes... As much as he had the whole team on his shoulders, the team also carried him too because I also think the way that Tyree Kill made those big time catches, yeah. a lot of semi good receivers don't make those plays. Yeah. But Tyree Kill, he's an elite receiver. He makes that play. It's a gain of what, seventeen or something like that? So yeah. shout out to the Chiefs. They played phenomenal, but also, man, shout out to Mike Vrabel and the Titans and what they were able to do oh, with this yeah. bounce back, you know, two and four start. Nobody at the beginning of the season or probably even halfway through the season would have ever, ever, ever pre- predicted that the Titans were going to make it to the conference championship. So it's really impressive for them. Us Nashvillians <laughs> are proud of them. But... This is the last thing we're going to say about the Titans because we're moving on from them. Yep, we're done. Pay Derrick Henry. Yeah. I he agree. deserves to be the highest paid running back in the NFL. And pay Ryan Tannehill. He does not deserve to be the highest paid quarterback in the yeah. NFL. But pay the man but because still... they're a good little one-two compliment. Yeah, okay. All right, Next let's game. move on. 49ers, Packers. Okay, I- I don't know really how to say anything because it was a dominant game, but also, man, A-Money kind of got something going too late. So I think just the 49ers run game was way too strong for the Packers defense. Like, I mean, Garoppolo didn't even have to actually make any throws until the fourth quarter. I think he had like six pass attempts once we were in the fourth quarter still. But then when he needed to on some big like third downs and fourth downs, he was able to make completions to like – Kittle and do what he needed to do, yeah. but just because the running game was so strong, he never even had to throw the ball. So it was just interesting to see, like clearly, that run game overpowered um, the Packers' defense. And so once the Packers were actually making some moves on offense, the defense just couldn't get the 49ers' offense off the field. Yeah, it was phenomenal. As much as Jimmy G did nothing, <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that just goes to stay like how I think that just goes to say how freaking dominant the 49ers run game is yeah let's just go back here real quick the Packers defense is not just some dudes that were just picked up off the street yeah they just picked them up this offseason to beat the 49ers this year 
And they got their asses handed to them twice in less than six weeks. Yeah. I wouldn't say they got their asses handed to them today. I mean, Okay, maybe not ha- the first three quarters. First half. Okay, okay. That, that's <laughs> mod. You're being generous, but okay. We'll, we'll roll with well, it. Well, I think that they were completely outmatched, but I don't think that they got their asses handed to them because at the end of the day, it was still a two-possession game like at the end of the fourth quarter. So clearly they were able to hold off the 49ers enough in the second half to give their offense a chance. Do I think that they should have done a lot more? Yes, but I don't think that they got their asses handed to them because they did do at least a little bit of enough to give yeah. the offense a okay. chance. No, so. I, can, I can agree with that. I mean, I totally... I don't agree with it, but I'll, I, you can totally feel that way. So, the the final score is thirty-seven to twenty. I'm just going to yeah. read off the stats because I'm actually kind of cracking up right over here. Okay. Aaron Rodgers, thirty-one to thirty-nine, three hundred twenty-six yards, two touchdowns, two picks. Jimmy G, six of eight for seventy-seven yards. <laughs> six of eight is so funny. That man going to win him a but Super Bowl. Tannehill the, season. <laughs> tell, tell us the rushing yards. Okay, yeah. So Aaron Jones, twelve carries, fifty-six yards, one touchdown. Mostert. 29 carries, 220 yards, 220 yards, four touchdowns. Yeah, that's crazy. So um, why throw it if you don't have to? That And, and I totally, I'm not going to say Jimmy G's an elite quarterback yet because I think he needs to have an elite playoff game. He needs to have a Patrick Mahomes-esque playoff game to really solidify him as an elite quarterback, in my opinion. I yeah. think he's great. I think he's going to win. But okay. um, that's just a whole different thing. Yeah. But no, yeah, so I, I think that he's good. But there's still maybe a question mark or two out there, I definitely feel like. Yeah, I I think just because he didn't have to throw the ball, then there's obviously going to be a question mark because we don't... I mean, this was like a big game. Yeah, but he he did make the throws. You're right. He made the throws when he had to make the throws. He was was 6 of 8. Yeah, he made them. So it's going to be interesting now to see. I feel like I'm going to... I literally say it's going to be interesting 100 times every episode, but it really will be in the Super Bowl. Well, if you're a sports lover, like this should be interesting, I feel like, to you. But in the Super Bowl, surely he will have to throw the ball more than eight times. Um, I mean, yeah, if the Chiefs shut up Derrick Henry to 69 yards. They're not going to be running over him for 250 yards. And they're a different kind of run team, too. But I don't know. The offensive line, in my personal opinion, is way better on the 49ers side. Yeah, so we'll see if Garoppolo is called upon to throw it more times in the Super Bowl. But, I mean, they got the job done regardless. So, 49ers, good for you. We have never been doubters, Mr. Richard Sherman. We are not some of your critics, as you say. But Yeah, can we can we be allowed to be fans? I know that he told people to hop off the wagon. So, I, I'm hoping that we're all right. We're still on the wagon. <laughs> We've never been hopping on. We've been on it all along. We've been on for like two years, so, so we're good. So, now I'll say, though... This is where the moment comes to fruition because my big 2020 projection was that the Chiefs were going to win the Super Bowl for the first time in 50 years. And about two years ago, Chad made the prediction that the 49ers would win the Super Bowl within Jimmy Garoppolo's first five years. So here we are two years later. And I feel like I should get like a almost like a a caddy on this one because he kind of tore his ACL his first year, <laughs> yeah, but we're so good. We're not going to make excuses. First full season. First full season. <laughs> we're not making excuses. No. no, no, no. This is his second year. We're good. But now our two predictions are going to meet up in the Super Bowl. We'll get into a lot more of our Super Bowl predictions as we get closer, but yeah. it'll be a really good matchup, I think. I'm pumped. The two most, I think, well-rounded teams made it to the Super Bowl. 100%. I think the two, the way that I would say that is almost like the best three facets of the game because... Yeah, the special teams really working well. I think the Chiefs' special teams is phenomenal. 
Uh, they were kind of questionable in one game, but that doesn't matter. One game doesn't doesn't really justify a whole body of a season. And then I think your defense on both sides are really clicking. 49ers are just phenomenal all year. Chiefs have really been getting into a flow the back end of the year. And then once again, offense. I really just, I believe, like you said, I'm so pumped to see this game because on paper, I really think they match up well against each other. Yeah, I agree. So once we get closer to Super Bowl time, we will cover off on our predictions. Obviously, it's pretty clear who we both want to win, <laughs> but we'll actually um, pick them once we get closer. So We'll just end the NFL Championship Sunday on this note, though. It's been seven years coming, baby. Hey man, shout out Chiefs Kingdom, Travis Kelsey. I hope PNL is just going off the chains right now for y'all. I'm happy for Kansas City. They deserve this, man. They really do. Me too. That's some serious hype man mentality. So big <laughs> hype man. They'll carry that through to the Super Bowl. So kind of leading into topic number two, we're going to stay on the football part, but we're actually going to just kind of talk about the rules real quick, a little bit of overtime rules, because normally, well, not normally, but in the previous year in the conference championship, both games went to overtime. Yeah. And I know that both of us kind of have strong opinions on NFL overtime rules and kind of how they're supposed to be done and handled. And to be honest, neither of us agree with how they're handled now. <laughs> yeah. So do you want to talk about kind of how you feel like it should be handled and I'll talk about how I feel like it should? Yeah, I do want to talk about it because I think that this is something I get fired up about every time I see an NFL game go to overtime because I just think that the rules are so absurd. I think the entire premise of NFL overtime hinders on your luck on the flip of a coin because whoever wins a coin toss is obviously going to decide to be on offense first because if you score a touchdown on your first possession, then the game is over. The other team never even gets the ball. The first team on offense who scores that touchdown just automatically wins. So I think that's literally insane. I don't understand who thought that was a good idea. But I think the way it should be is each team gets one chance to be on offense, right? So one team, you win the coin toss, and you get the advantage of going first and putting the pressure on the other team. So you still get an advantage, I think, by winning the coin toss. If you go, you score either a field goal or a touchdown, or you don't score at all then that's whatever that is. That's what points you put on the board or none at all. But then the other team should get a chance to be on offense. Why is it that if you score a touchdown, the other team doesn't get the ball at all? It doesn't make any sense. No, I I agree. I think it's nuts. But then I think that the other team should get a chance to be on offense. So once that team either scored or didn't score or whatever happened, the other team should get a chance to have the ball, and then they should see if they can either score um, and also either match whatever the other team did or if they don't, because nine times out of ten, I guarantee both teams aren't going to go down and score a touchdown. Yeah. So I think that the other team should get a chance to be um, on offense and just see what happens. And then if we have to get to the second possession, then I think you can make it more difficult and say you score a touchdown and you have to go for two or you have to score a touchdown, period, or like whatever it has to be. The second possession can be more difficult, but I think that it makes zero sense to say, okay, if you win the coin toss, you're at an immediate advantage. The other team could potentially never get the ball at all. Like why does one team have to rely 100% on their defense and one team has to rely 100% on their offense? I think that both teams should be able to put both of their teams back out on the field and give each team a fair chance to actually be in the game. Yeah, no, I like that point. I think you're spot on. I, I like how you're not changing much. No. All you're doing is just giving the other team an opportunity to actually, you know, 
get a chance to score. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Which they should be allowed. Should be existing so, already. The only two things that I would even say as other contenders for a change in overtime rules would be, why don't you just play the whole overtime period? Make it just an extra quarter, and at the end of that quarter, whoever's winning like is the winner. So yeah. it, all you're doing is you're just adding a quarter onto the game, right? which you're not changing anything. All you're doing is just adding time on, and whoever, yeah. you know, if it's still tied, then you can have, you know, I don't know, maybe go to college overtime or, or even just go to the overtime rules like you just said. But yeah. that way, it's just... It's just an added additional amount of time, and you just, you know, you never know. At the end of the day, I feel like a lot of things would be figured out, you know, kind of in that fifth quarter, if you will. I think so, too. I think that's a really good point. I never thought about just creating an entire overtime quarter, which is what basketball does. Yep. That's exactly how they figure it out. They just let give you a little bit more time to figure out who the better team is, which I think, like you said, pretty much every game would be determined in that next quarter. Yeah. I know soccer, some soccer, depending on where you play and what rules and stuff like that. I True. know some soccer games do it that way as well. So I kind of like that. And also I'm pretty sure baseball does it that way too. Extra so, innings, yeah. I mean, it, it all makes sense. I feel like it kind of makes sense to do it that way. Don't don't leave it into, you know, like UFC does in a, a split decision or anything like that. It's not up to the refs. It's, it's up to the players to right. make their own, you know. I think what we both agree on is that it makes zero sense that one team never gets the ball. Yeah, but potentially. The, but the other thing I was going to say is you could just make it really easy and just do college overtime. So yeah, sure. essentially what you would do is you would have number one offense on the left side of the field with the number one defense of the other team. And then on the opposite side of the field, you would have the number one offense Reverse. against the number one defense. Exactly. Yeah. So you would just go back and forth. You see who wins. You could even go to go for two after what is it the third overtime period or yeah. something like that. I believe. However many. Yeah. If I'm wrong, tell me on our uh, social media, please. GG Talk Sports. <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah, so I think those are two other ways. I really like your way too. I think it just makes sense. The other team deserves a chance because once again, it just sucks that you get that far. You played your ass off. You worked your tail off for all of that amount of work and effort to then not even get an opportunity to. I know. I mean, like win. I think it's super unfortunate, too, because there have been plenty of times where teams get into overtime and a defense has managed to hold off a team for however long. But maybe the defense isn't their best powerhouse, but they've done their job. Exactly. But when they get into overtime, the other team wins a coin toss and their defense, who's not their strength necessarily, is the whole team that that winning has to rely on. I just think that sucks. And I don't think it's actually a fair rule in their system yeah i mean the chiefs patriots game probably would still be going on if they had this rule change and not to mention kind of crazy if you think about it if they had the rule change what if the chiefs win patrick mahomes goes to the super bowl and they won last year i know and now they're returning this year they would have been potentially back to back crazy to think about how things could play out if they actually made the overtime rules fair for both teams so let us know we're going to go put up a post on our instagram to let you guys give us your feedback on overtime rules as well because we've had this conversation with quite a few people and everybody has some different thoughts on what it should look like but i don't think i've ever heard anybody say they agree with what it looks like now never so let us know your thoughts on what you think it should look like over on our instagram gg talk sports hit us up all right so leading into our final topic this (laughs) has became like an actually really exciting topic of ours on our social media it's GG Picks, which is our just weekly, or I guess not even weekly, it's our every episode, few picks of the week, or picks of the few days in between episodes that right. we have. So, go check out our social media page. Like we said, GG Talk Sports, 
click on the little post that hashtags GG picks. Yeah. Let us know who y'all think. Let us know if we're crazy for the picks we have, or if you agree, or neither. Both. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or both. We'll go with a positive note. Yes. But all right, so the first one's going to lead us into a little bit of NCAA men's basketball. Both of our teams play this week, and both of our teams kind of play interesting matchups. Okay. Maybe not interesting for you per se, because you have Kansas, who is currently 14-3, and three, taking on Kansas State, who's 8-9. and nine. But let me just say that it's Kansas State. It's Kansas. It's a rivalry game. It, you never yeah. know. Yeah, so Kansas State, their record doesn't look good. But just this weekend, they actually beat West Virginia, who was ranked number 12. So I feel like a little bit nervous as much as their record doesn't show them being super amazing. They also just had a really big win. So I think that'll give them some confidence. I do think that it'll still be KU who wins. We got Dodson back. I think that we beat Texas this weekend and looked like we were trying to kind of get back in a flow. So as much as I can applaud Kansas State for beating West Virginia this weekend, I think we'll handle the loss we expect to. Yeah, I'm a big fan of Buki, too, and McCormick. I think interior basketball is what wins you championships, personally, in my opinion. And I think that you guys might have the two best big men in, in college basketball, arguably... As a duo. Yeah. As a duo. So listen to that carefully, whoever's (laughs) listening to that, because I think that Buki and McCormick together as a duo (laughs) are probably the best big men in college basketball right now. Okay, so rock chalk all around. So rock chalk. And then the next one, my team, Orange Men, big matchup. They are going to Notre Dame to take on the Fighting Irish. So this is kind of a weird matchup because they're both actually on paper really, really even. (laughs) Syracuse is sitting at 11-7. and Notre Dame sitting at 11-6, and six. and let me just let you know on this, because I'm not sure if you knew, they played Louisville extremely close and only lost by three. Yeah. Louisville's extremely good right now. They beat Duke, so we all know how good they can be. Yeah. I think that Syracuse is slowly kind of catching a groove. Like you said, Buddy yeah, Beheim yeah, has caught fire, and mm-hmm. you did 100% call that one. Spot on. Love it. Give me some knocks. Yep. Gotcha. We just knocked. Sorry, y'all. But, um, yeah, so I think that Syracuse, I know that they're going to Notre Dame. I like them. I like them away. They play so good away. I feel like they play loose. They play free. Bayheim always has them coached up. I like them against the Fighting Irish. Who do you think is going to win, though? So I am going to pick Syracuse, too, just because I think that they had a really close game this weekend where they won by one point. <laughs> so that was yeah, really Yeah, they beat good Virginia Tech. It was a hell of a game. Hell I of know. a game. It was. And Virginia Tech had... Um, beat them at Syracuse at the beginning of the year. So I think they got good revenge there. And I think that they just really are, I said it about KU too, but I think they're finding their flow. So I think that they finally kind of realize what their identity is and how, like each of their responsibilities. And I think they're going to actually end up kind of on a little bit of a streak that brings them kind of up towards the top of the ACC since that ACC is up for questions right now. It's kind of just wide open this year, I think. Yeah, so they're I even they're really, win. really evenly challenged against each other, or they've just gotten really bad. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's it. I don't either. I think it's just a lot of good competition and good players playing against each other. So let's jump into a little bit of NBA. We got the LA Clippers playing against the Mavs. It's supposedly Kristaps' return. The Mavs are sitting at 27-15, and 15, which I think is, I feel like they should be a little higher than that, but Kristaps has been hurt, so that's maybe why. The Clippers are sitting at 30 and 13. You got to love the Kings of load management. Also, Paul George is either hurt or he's taking some time to, to get healthy. Yeah. Um, so who do you have in this matchup? 
So I'm going to pick the Mavs on this one. Um, I think the Clippers barely beat the Pelicans this weekend, who I think the Pelicans are in a bit of a little streak too. But I think that the Mavs, I'm just not going to pick against Luka right now. I think that Ooh, he's love it. doing really well. And I think that he has been able to carry the team still while Kristaps has been out. So I'm going to pick them. I also don't think that the Clippers are quite as good as everybody gives them credit for. I know they're good and they'll be better once Paul George is back again, but... I just don't think in their current state they're quite as dominating as everybody has. They're going to trade for somebody. I feel like maybe I don't know who, but I think they're going to trade for somebody. I actually am going to go against you though because oh. one, I want to extend my lead against you, and two, <laughs> I just feel like as much as you know, maybe you've said Lucas controlled the 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 management and yeah. the gameplay for the Mavs. I think that's kind of a, a con in this situation because I think he's going to be tired. I think he's going to kind of not be going in there yeah. quite as fresh as he normally is. Um, but that's kind of a good thing with Kristaps coming back because he's going to take a lot of load off of his shoulders. But I still I, I like the Clippers. A lot of people have been talking crap about them right now. Montrez Harrell, I think he has kind of a big game. Um, so, yeah, I think the Clippers win. I think it's a close game, though. Okay. And then let's just jump into this one because this is going to be so much fun to watch. The atmosphere is going to be nuts. Um, yeah. We got Zion returning for the New Orleans Pelicans, playing that's against crazy. the San Antonio Spurs who on paper are 18 and 23 and the Pelicans are 16 and 27. You go first this time. Oh, uh, Pelicans. <laughs> okay, we did. Pelicans by 50. No, I'm not, I'm just kidding. Not by 50, but Pelican I think person. that I don't think Zion plays that much. Let me just say that. I think Zion plays 10 to 20 minutes. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he starts and plays the whole game. I don't know. But I think that one, I th- Brandon Ingram is playing phenomenal. I'm a big Brandon Ingram fan. So is Lonzo. So is Lonzo. JJ Redick. I-, I think they're finally getting their groove. It's going to be interesting to see if Zion messes that up. Because they kind of been playing. They played the Clippers really, really close and competitive. Yeah, I agree. Paul George wasn't in. They still played them close. Yeah. They only lost by three, I think. So. Something like that. So, I, I think the Pelicans win. But I think that I don't think it's because of Zion. I think he helps. But I don't think it's because of him. Yeah. This is going to be fun to watch, though. Yeah, I What agree. about you? There's a bunch of build up, obviously. Because we've been waiting patiently for him to actually play and make his regular season debut. So I think he'll definitely bring some hype to the team, but I agree with you. I don't think he's going to be, like, the big factor in the game, but I think he's definitely going to bring some excitement. Yeah. Um, But I think the team on their own was already heading in the right direction, so I think he'll just kind of add to it and be a bonus. Yeah, I agree. All right, so that concludes our picks. We're going to kind of not really pick, per se. We're going to pick a winner that we think is going to have a great Australian Open, which that kind of leads us into, obviously, the Australian Open, which is happening just as of tonight. Yes. Who do you think is going to win it all? Do you want to go men's or women's first? So let's go women's because I think we agree. I think so. we do agree just because, one, we're huge fans. Little bias on this decision. Sure. But I think Serena Williams secures the bag. Yeah, I think so too. I think she finally ties the most Grand Slam title record. I, I mean, she just won that tournament leading into the Australian Open. So I think that gave her some confidence and she was able to win a title match, which was like basically the big question mark was, can she actually win a championship match? Um, and she clearly did that. So I think that that just like broke through <laughs> what she needed yeah. to break through to just be able to get through that headspace. Um, so I think she's going to win. I think Hardcore is still her top surface, too. So Yeah, I think that Serena wins. I think she gets that 24th. I think she ties the record. And then I think she actually breaks the record at the U.S. Open. That's kind of my call. Both hardcore tournaments. But I do want to say this because I was talking to you before we actually started podcasting. And that was, I think, Naomi Osaka could have a big tournament. I do like the way she plays. 
And I'm also just a big fan of the way she carries herself. I think she's she's she, I, I just I think she's good. And I think she's she can handle Serena. I think she could actually give Serena L which she has in the past. Yeah, I agree. So I think that she is still a really good up and coming player. Um, and obviously, like you said, she did beat Serena in a championship match at a Grand Slam. So clearly she can live up to those big moments too. So I don't disagree. I think she'll have a good tournament. I don't think she'll win it, but I think that she's still on the up and up. Yeah. All right. So let's go into men's real quick because I'm actually kind of shocked that you're (laughs) picking against your favorite athlete ever. I know I am. So I think that... Nadal, if you're listening to this, which I know you aren't, you should be ashamed of her right now. Uh, it pains me to say it, but I do think that Djokovic is finally going to get a title again. Um, it's been a few tournaments since he won, and so I think that he'll be able to win this hard court tournament just because I think he's healthy, he's in good shape, and I don't know. I just feel like it's it's not like it's been that long since he won, but at the same time, no, I yeah. think one or two but tournaments. But in tennis, I feel like that kind of is for him. Yeah, true. So I think that he'll just get another Grand Slam win. And also that'll tighten the race even more between him, Nadal, Fed, and the title ranking. So we'll see. I, I do want Nadal to win. Obviously, I always want him to win. But I just think Joke is always in the advantage when it comes to hardcore. Yeah. So He's a hardcore goat. Yeah. <laughs> He's a hardcore goat. <laughs> yeah. yes, he is right. a tennis hardcore asterisk. Or... Player. <laughs> So who do you think, though? Oh, God. So I think that I have Nadal, and just for the strict reason that I'm just a big Nadal fan, I think he won his last hardcore um, tournament, which is, I think, just a huge thing and a huge confidence booster going into this kind of a tournament for him. And I yeah, think he's healthy. Yeah, he won the last hardcore Grand Slam. Yeah. He was open, yeah. Yeah, and I think he's healthy. So um, I, I like Nadal. I like the way he plays. I also am just a huge fan of anybody that, that plays until the very final whistle. Yeah. I mean, he literally is... <laughs> The minus definition, yeah. My, yeah, obviously minus <laughs> Lego, you know what I'm saying. Yeah. But I think he's just the definition of playing until the final play or playing until the, the final set or point or, yeah. or however you want to describe it. Yeah. But I'm just a big Nadal fan. I respect his mentality yeah. and I respect the way that he changes. Because if you, the one thing about Nadal that people I think sleep on is he changes his game mid-match. Oh, yeah. As much as people think that he plays the same game as he always does, he really doesn't. He switches his game up mid-match for the opponent, for the settings, for how it's going for him. So I think that he's just, he's a gifted athlete. He's a gifted tennis player, so I like him to win. But I will say this, the past five Australian Opens have gone, and this is oldest to newest. Okay. Joke, joke, fed, fed, joke. So that's my pick, joke. <laughs> so joke's a solid pick. Yeah. But I also, I just think Nadal is, I don't think Fed is, no offense to Federer, I, I think he maybe is just, obviously he's at the back nine of his career. Yeah. Um. But but yeah, I like Nadal. I, I also told Steph this potentially sleeper, Wawrinka, he's yeah. been injured a lot, but I, I like the way that he played the U.S. Open when he was healthy and that was his last big tournament. So I, I like him to, to perform well. Yeah, he's always a really good competitor in a hard matchup for anybody, so I don't think that's a bad pick either, at least to get far in the tournament and then cause some ruckus once he meets up with probably one of those players we just mentioned. Yeah, but like we said, go to our social media channel, GG Talk Sports, hit the post that says GG Picks, let us know who you think is going to win the Australian Open and all the matchups that we just talked about, and we'll see you guys next time. We hope that you guys enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to follow Leave a review if you can, where you always enjoy it. But the best part about it is if you can share it with a friend or share it with somebody who loves sports and would listen to this as well, 
we would truly appreciate it. Yep, definitely do that. And then also make sure you're turning on the sports to watch them too. And we will see you guys on Thursday. Have a good one. Bye.